You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Well, good morning, everyone uh, from your homes. We are going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, and we're looking at under the title this week of Jesus Sympathizes With Us, and especially focusing on verses 14 uh, through to 16. But before we come to consider those verses, let's pray together, asking for God's help. Lord God, we thank you for this most beautiful morning. Lord, we thank you for how softly the the flakes and how gently the flakes of snow fall to the ground, how the snow feels soft under our feet. And Father, as we approach your word today, your word tells us that it exposes us completely. Father, that your word exposes our hearts. And Lord, it's our prayer today that by your spirit, you would deal ever so gently with us. Lord, may our hearts be softened. May our hearts be warmed by your grace, mercy, and love towards us. Holy Spirit, help us as we come to your word that we would understand that Jesus sympathizes with people like us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You just haven't been in my shoes. You don't understand what it's like to be me. That was just a wee brief interview of me and David during the week as we met. No, of course not. But of course we have different uh, people that we engage with. And maybe we've had a falling out or we just haven't quite understood where they're coming from. And they've said to us, you just don't understand me. You don't know what I've been through. And we can apply that in different areas of life, can't we? It can happen in illness. You just don't understand what this illness is like in racism, in, in abuse, in difficult relationships with colleagues or boss or, or parents even. And sometimes we just say, oh, you just don't know what kind of day I've had. In a Heart Release book, To Kill a Mockingbird, it's, this uh, quote's been in many a GCSE paper, I'm sure. And this is what Atticus Finch says, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb inside of his skin and walk around in it. You see, at different moments in our lives, we believe that no one else can identify with us with exactly how we are feeling. We will say, put yourself into my shoes. And the thing is, aren't we very tempted to do that with Jesus? We think that we cannot come to Jesus because he is in heaven, we are down here, and he doesn't understand us. We, in our own experience of the sufferings and trials of life, we say to Jesus, you don't understand what I've been through. We are tempted to think that we cannot come to this Jesus because he doesn't understand us. But as we'll discover today, looking at these verses, that could not be further from the truth. He literally took on skin and walked in our sandals. So the question today is, how can we come to Jesus in the trials and sufferings of life? That's the question I seek to answer today as we consider these verses. Because for some today, maybe you think Jesus is just out there, distant, doesn't care, and is not relevant to your pain. That Jesus just doesn't care. Others are just battling through, going through the grind of the trials and sufferings, heaping everything and every expectation on yourself. And maybe some just don't think you need Jesus at all. So how or and why can we come to Jesus in the trials and sufferings of life? First reason, 
because Jesus is our high priest. Verse 14. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to a, a Jewish community of people who were Jewish, sorry, but they are now Christian. And many of them have been discouraged. They've perhaps seen friends or family persecuted. They're maybe getting pressure from the Jewish quarters uh, and what they believe. And they were steeped in that tradition and they would have had many questions. And really Hebrews answers a lot of questions, one being about this high priest. So we think as Jesus as high priest, we don't think Roman Catholic priest, we think Jewish priest. And well, what is this high priest? What is the role of the high priest? Well, one of the roles was that day of atonement where they had to enter into the Holy of Holies alone and sprinkle blood on the, the mercy seat. You see, all the way in Scripture, in the Old Testament, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this big Bible overview, God's people always needed a mediator. They always needed a go-between people and God. So, for example, in Exodus, it is Moses, isn't it? He is the representative of the people to God before God puts in place a system of priests and sacrifices. Moses would be the go-between. The priests would become the go-between, the mediator between God and people. So this is a high priest, but it tells us here in Hebrews that we have a great high priest. This is not a, a human one, an earthly human priest, but a high priest in the heavens. He is our representative, our mediator, our go-between. So the Jewish priest had to pass through the curtain of the Holy of Holies to the earthly dwelling place of God. And the reason Jesus is our great high priest, the reason he's our mediator, is that he, Hebrews tells us, passed through the heavens. In other words, he's saying that Jesus is the great high priest. He is the only one who can truly represent us because he represents us not on earth, but in heaven. So Jesus replaces, he supersedes all the earthly priests. He is our new mediator. How do we know this? Well, his death on the cross, do you remember it as it's recorded in Mark's gospel? As Jesus dies, the curtain is torn in two. The dwelling place of God, if you like, on earth is exposed. It's out there. We know Jesus represents us because he passed not through the holy of holy curtains, not through the earthly curtain to God's presence, but the heavenly curtain. He's our high priest because he is our mediator. And one of the roles of the priesthood was to offer sacrifices. But Jesus is now our sacrifice. He is the great high priest who's our go-between, but he's also the high priest in the very throne room of God who is the sacrifice. The earthly priest had to constantly sacrifice for the sins of the people. The earthly priest will die and have to be replaced, but not Jesus. He is the constant one. He is the eternal one who sacrificed himself once and for all. It's his atoning sacrifice on the cross for us. This is God in flesh, called by the Father to be our go-between, to be our sacrifice, so that he would be our representative, our go-between in the heavenly realms. So what? Jesus is our great high priest. So what? What does verse 14 say? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Because Jesus is our high priest in the trials and sufferings of life, we can hold fast to Jesus. Because Jesus is in every way God. He is the Son of God. 
He's our great high priest who represents us to the Father. Doesn't mean that he's aloof and distant. Doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't get us. No, but it's the very reason he's high priest that allows us to come to him in the trials and sufferings of life. It's because he's a great high priest. He's the one that we can hold on to, to cling on to. And these trials and sufferings of these Hebrew people, these Hebrew Christians, some of them would have been tempted to go back, to turn their back on Jesus, return to Judaism, to go back against their earthly, to this earthly high priest. But the writer tells us, no, we cling to Jesus because no other high priest lives eternally. No other high priest gave themselves up as a sinless sacrifice. No other high priest was able on earth to pass through the heavens to the heavenly throne room. So let us all hold fast to the profession of Jesus. Don't abandon Jesus in trouble. There is no better place for us to turn. We can turn to Jesus in the sufferings and trials in life because he is our high priest. Secondly, then, how can we come to Jesus in sufferings and trials of life? Well, because Jesus sympathizes with us. You see that in verse 15. These are utterly amazing words written in Hebrews for us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. In other words, Jesus really can, that this great high priest really can sympathize with us. Jesus, the, the great high priest, is not just up there, set apart, oblivious to what's going on down here. It's not one of the complaints or criticisms of those in government or in leadership often, that they are okay over in London in their big houses, their fancy mansions, but they don't understand what the real people are facing. That is one of the criticisms, isn't it? That's not a criticism of Jesus. We have a need, a high priest in heaven, but we also have a need, a high priest who understands exactly what's going down on earth because he lived it. This Greek word sympathy, what does it mean? We think sympathy, we think that sympathy card that we send to someone or maybe used to send to people, say we're sorry for their loss. But this sympathy is not just I'm sorry or they're there. It's not just compassion on its own, but when Jesus sympathizes with us, Jesus is affected with the same feeling. Jesus is affected with that very same feeling. So think you're going about home and you have people, uh, you're living with folk and you hear that dull thud and you know, you just know that someone stubbed their toe and almost in your seat, you're like, oh, I can feel your pain. Or maybe you hear someone catch their fingers in the door or a big hit in their rugby match and the crowd goes, oh, everyone can feel it. That's what it means when Jesus sympathizes with us. He is affected with the same feeling. So during the particularly tough times or dark days, when we struggle with the thoughts that people don't understand what we're going through, when we're sat with a friend or family member and have maybe said or have heard the words, you just don't get it, you don't understand, if you only knew, we can say to people, you don't get it. But we can never, never say to Jesus, he doesn't get it. Jesus does. Jesus gets it. Because Jesus is affected with the same feeling as us. What a relief. So rich, so good, so helpful, so encouraging for us that Jesus, the Son of God, would come down to earth to save us from our sin. But he's not detached. He's not a detached Savior, but he's deeply personal and is affected with us. 
He truly walked in our shoes. There is nothing that you can go through in life that Christ cannot relate to you with. There's nothing you can go through in life that are sufferings and trials that Christ will not have compassion on you, that Christ will not sympathize or encourage you. Christ offers so much more than a there, there, or a vain token of sympathy. But Jesus sympathizes in our very weakness. Jesus sympathizes in our weakness. We can come to Jesus in our sufferings, in our trials. Why? Well, what are some of the things that Christ experiences that he shows just a little what it's like, that he really does understand, that he is able to get us? Well, Jesus dealt with death, death, didn't he? Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus. His heart was broken over loss. Have you felt like that? Yeah. In Matthew 12, Jesus is casting out demons. And what do the people say about Jesus? They say, this man works the prince of demons. That's what they say about Jesus. He endured slander and ridicule. Have you ever felt like that? In Mark 3, Jesus is teaching and he's gathered his disciples. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. His family didn't get him. Have you ever felt like that? Ever, ever been betrayed by a friend? Have you been homeless or rejected, despised or in mourning? Have you ever felt like that? So has Jesus. Have you ever felt alone? So has Jesus. Have you had worries about the future and people you love? So has Jesus. He was in deep agony as he prayed with sweat drops of blood in the garden because of us, for us, when Jesus cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you felt like that? In life's struggles, trials, in our weakness, Jesus sympathizes with us. Jesus was tired and weary. He worked, he hungered and thirsted. He knew extreme physical pain and exhaustion. He knew the betrayal of friends. His family thought he was crazy. His hometown rejected him. He was shamed publicly, mocked and was hated. Jesus relates to us in every way in our sufferings and trials. Jesus gets it. He is compassionate in our sufferings because he is affected by them as well. Jesus is sympathetic in our weakness. Then Hebrews says that he's tempted in every way just as we are. But Jesus is sympathizes in our temptation. Now, Jesus was never tempted to lose his temper like me over a game of football, or he was never tempted to waste time through, scrolling through Instagram, or never tempted to ignore a wife. Jesus didn't face precisely the same temptations. Of course not, but Jesus does know the kinds of weaknesses, sufferings, failures, trials that we do face and know. We all know that Jesus was tempted by Satan not to be hungry in the wilderness. We know that Jesus took, or sorry, Satan took Jesus out there to, to be tempted. But that surely wasn't the only time Jesus was tempted. Could Jesus have been tempted to be prideful? I'm sure. Could he have been tempted to avoid suffering in the Garden of Eden? Yeah, he was battling with that. Could he have been tempted to hold, hold who he was over his siblings growing up, never doing anything wrong? He definitely could have. Could he have been tempted to hold on to money? Yeah. Jesus knew every type of temptation. Jesus, although sinless, 
He knows temptation better than us. C.S. Lewis has this illustration of a man walking against the wind, and a really, really strong wind, the wind to be named storms now, the wind of temptation, he calls it. And as he walks, this man, the wind of temptation gets stronger and stronger, and eventually it gets too strong, and the man gives up and lies down. He gives in to the wind. That's us. We give in. We might get stronger. We might battle for a little bit, but we give in to temptation. If we place Jesus against that wind, Jesus would walk and walk and walk. No matter how hard or how strong the wind would get, he would never lay down or give in. Dean Ortland in his book says, Jesus knows the strength of temptation better than any of us. That is so true because we give in to it. We never know what it would be like if we resisted for just 10 more minutes. From the very start of Jesus' ministry to the very end, Satan threw all his evil power at him that he would be disobedient, that Jesus wouldn't be that sinless sacrifice, but he was. He was obedient to his Father to the very end. He is the great high priest without sin that would be that perfect sacrifice, that he would truly be that go-between, that, that gap, the fill in that gap between us and God. It means that Jesus, the only sinless one, it means Jesus is the only one that can take away sin. We all have it. We're all born with it. The only way to be, our sin to be taken away is someone without sin. And that is Jesus. We come to Christ, the compassionate and caring one, the one who is affected with all our feelings and emotions. He just doesn't know them, but he feels them with you. He is the one in our shoes. He knows exactly how we feel. Jesus is not distant. He's above pain. <coughs> He's not uninvolved in our lives. He's not un unsympathetic towards us. But he is the one who knows exactly how we feel. He is no stranger to sufferings and trials, weakness and temptation. He's the sympathetic great high priest who's not aloof, but really gets us. Every minute of our sufferings, every hour of our trials, every day in our temptations, Jesus knows and sympathizes with us. Do you know that? Jesus sympathizes with you. He gets it. But where do we turn in sufferings and trials in life? Some go to the arms of another, don't they? Who is not their husband or wife. Some go and look for relief in a glass or an online spending splurge. They offer no sympathy like Jesus. Where do we go when we're tempted to vent our frustrations? Where do we go for sympathy and compassion? Well, it's quite concerning for Christians and non-Christians, isn't it? Where do we go? Often social media, isn't it? We pour out our hearts for, we turn to people for sympathy and compassion, often to dig for sympathy, trying to attract sympathy. We need to turn to Jesus. We need to come to Christ for full and proper sympathy and compassion, one who is truly affected by our feelings. Yes, there's a place for human sympathy, but a few hearts, likes, or a few I'm thinking for you, do not cut it. Is that really all the sympathy you want? There, there, a tap on the back, or do you want to come to Jesus and receive full, heartfelt, complete sympathy who knows exactly what you're going through? Where is your first go-to for sympathy? Yes, we need our friends and our family. 
But where do we go to first? We go to Jesus. Because he gets us the most. He is the most compassionate and sympathetic one. Jesus first and be comforted by those whom he has also comforted God's people. How can we come to Jesus in the trials and sufferings of life? Because he truly sympathizes with us. He gets it. He gets us. He is our go-between, our sacrifice, our great high priest. And then finally, because Jesus is our helper. Do you know, at home maybe, I know there's lots of folk <coughs> doing online learning. <coughs> so boys and girls, many of you at home will need help perhaps with maybe some work that you're doing. And well, if I was at home, I would say I needed help in maths or science. I would go and speak to my dad about those subjects. And maybe you would go to your dad for English or, or maths or your mum maybe for languages or music or something. I don't know. If you needed help, today or tomorrow morning, you'll not come to me for help with English. Sure you wouldn't. You might come to me with help for chemistry, perhaps. Though I see Scott in the front row here, he's probably better at it than me. But if there's a leak in your house or a wire needs replaced, you don't call someone out from the IT department to come and sort that out for you. Sure you don't. You want someone who's a professional who knows specifically how to deal with that problem. And when in the trials and sufferings in life, Jesus is that person. He is our helper. And we can't draw near to Jesus in confidence, Hebrews tells us. Why? Well, let's, let's think about this. Look at uh, verse uh, 16. <clears throat> Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is on the inside. He's on the inside at the very throne of grace. We had that in verse 14 where he passed through the heavens. He's at the throne of grace now. Jesus is on the inside. So even in our weakness, because we have our great high priest, we can come confidently before God. In the Old Testament, there was all these cleansing rituals, but now Jesus cleanses us. And trusting in Jesus, we can come confidently to his throne. Because Jesus is on the inside. We can approach this throne of grace. Oh, how we could spend minutes and minutes at the throne of grace. But as you know, some groups were meeting before Christmas, men's and ladies' groups, working through this book, The Resurrection in Your Life. Um, Mike McGinley, he paints this picture of having a friend on the inside to get him special VIP tickets. But this is what he says about Jesus. We have a friend in the most exclusive, wonderful place ever. We have someone looking out for us in the throne room of heaven itself. Jesus is on the inside for his friends, for his followers, for his people. He's on the inside of the throne of grace, interceding for us, praying for us, speaking up for us, he knows exactly who we are, what we are, our sufferings and trials, our weaknesses and temptations. And he's there for us. We can confidently come to Jesus, draw near to this throne of grace, because Jesus truly knows how we feel. And while Jesus will give us timely help, we can approach this throne with confidence because Jesus is our helper. This timely help, the Bible speaks about time and reference to God, it's always the idea of at the right moment. When we need it, God will provide it. 
See, not only is Jesus able to put an arm around our shoulders, but he is the one who brings aid and help himself. He will give us mercy and grace to help in the time of need. What are you going to find when you come to Jesus? It is this mercy and grace. When are you going to get it? You're going to get it timely. God's timing is always perfect. There is no one like Jesus, our great high priest. So we have to hold on to, cling to him, hold fast to him. Have you come to the throne of grace through Jesus in prayer in the midst of the sufferings and trials of life? Or are you just shouting at Jesus? You just don't understand. We can confidently draw near this throne of grace. Confidence not in our ability, no. But in that perfect, sinless, great high priest of Jesus. In the Old Testament, they couldn't draw near, but we get right into this heavenly throne room because Jesus, our friend, is on the inside. Come to Jesus, the sympathizer and helper. How can we come to Jesus in the sufferings and trials of life? Because he's our go-between. He's our perfect sinless sacrifice. He truly walked in our shoes. He truly was human. He truly was with us. He truly experienced and felt all the pains of life. He alone can truly help us. So let us today, with glad hearts, continue to cling to Jesus with confidence in all of life's struggles and trials, COVID concerns, worries with work, school stresses. Come to Jesus. He is our sympathetic great high priest. He helps us from the inside, the very throne of grace in heaven. We're going to close our time together in praise before the throne of God above, but just let me leave you with two questions. Have you come to Jesus in your trials and difficulties of life? And then do you trust Jesus and have an insider in the very throne room of heaven.